Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In our numbers 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Lots to do. I hope you'll stick with me. Joey Biden is heading to Georgia to campaign for Asaf and Warnock, two hardcore radical leftists. Joey Biden, lunch bucket Joe, of course, who never carried a lunch bucket in his life, like to talk about class warfare, how the Republicans represent the wealthy. Now, we know it's the Democrats that represent the wealthy. And here this Ossoff is the recipient of tens of millions of dollars as a result of his wealthy daddy who's been funding his campaigns. So Biden doesn't really mean what he says when he does the class warfare, not as applies to other Democrats. But even worse... Even worse, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you this. If Raphael Warnock were a Republican, and he had made these constant, relentless, anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish statements, these constant, relentless, racist statements, if if he had promoted Farrakhan and so forth and so on, and he'd been a Republican, and Donald Trump was the president, and he went down to Georgia and campaigned for him. What do you think Jake Tapper would say? What do you think B.S. Brian Stelter would say? What do you think the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost would say? They'd be appalled. They'd be in his face. They'd be saying they're 23-year-old reporters to heckle the President of the United States and demand to know how is it that you can campaign for a racist anti-Semite like this? Which is exactly what Warnock is. He's a racist anti-Semite. No questions. Joe protects himself. See, in Joe Biden's world, 
the coronavirus, you have to be 60 feet away, not six feet away, because he's righteous, because he really cares about science and health. 60 feet away, especially if you're a reporter who has a serious question, which is like one. Ducey. I don't know of any other. Peter Ducey. And so here, Joe Biden is literally going to Georgia now to campaign for these two reprobates, but in particular, this guy Warnock, who has said repeatedly the most hateful, racist, anti-Semitic things. So, Joe Biden has really evolved. He's evolved from embracing white separatists and segregationists in the early 1970s to embracing black racists and separatists in 2020. He's come a long way, has Joe. I'm sure the New York Times will pick up on this. Jeremy W. Peters, I'm sure he'll get into that. I'll deal with him in a second. But you notice not a word. The Democrat Party can embrace Omar, Talib. They can embrace Warnock, Sarsour. These are people who are going into Georgia to campaign for these two, particularly Warnock. They're hateful. They're vile. They're poison. And not a word. Nothing. Not a word. It's like segre- It's like uh, secession. They lie about what Limbaugh said. They put words in his mouth and they spin it and they know it and they don't care. And one repeats it, then the other, then the other. And yet the, cesse- the, uh, the, the secessionists today are the Democrats. They're the ones with the sanctuary cities. What do you think a sanctuary city is? They're the ones embracing nullification like the old Confederacy. No stories in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. Nothing in the usual left-wing hack websites. Nothing. Nothing. I hope... I hope that red-blooded Americans in Georgia of every race, every religion, every whatever, understand what's at stake. It's not just electing two Democrats... These aren't just two Democrats. These are neo-Marxists. And in the case of Warnock, he is a flat-out, out-of-the-closet racist and anti-Semite. He pretends he's otherwise. But his history is his history. Then you have to ask yourself, how does the Democrat Party even nominate somebody like this? And yet it did. And it does. You have a growing wing within the Democrat Party. A growing wing of racists and anti-Semites who hate this country. It's a party that is reverting to its past. Just choosing different minorities to attack now. You don't see this in the Republican Party. You know what you see in the Republican Party? I want you to listen to me. Because it really started today with Mitch McConnell. The Republican Party now feels it's safe... These Republicans who've been around literally over three decades, some almost four decades in the Senate, in Washington, D.C. They now believe they're in the clear. They're in the clear, so they'll make statements against Trump on and off the record. 
They used him to almost get a majority in the House. They moved, used him to get 50 seats in the Senate. Now they're fighting for two more. But they figure that's enough. They embraced and used the Tea Party. Then they attacked the Tea Party. And in many ways, they've embraced and used the President of the United States. And soon they'll be attacking him, too. Some of you have applauded Mitch McConnell. I know they do at National Review and elsewhere that he's been terrific on judges like nobody else could do it, of course. Mitch McConnell, in the end, had an easy race in Kentucky. You know why? Because of Donald Trump. Not because of Mitch. That and the turkey neck, that's not necessarily attractive for voters. I just want you to know. Mitch McConnell is a hustler, he's a wheeler dealer, he's a deal maker, but he's not a deal maker of the sort that Donald Trump is, trying to change the trajectory of the country. He's a spendaholic, and he's a deal maker, whether it's immigration or whatever, he just doesn't fight on principle. He just doesn't do it, and he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. So why would you go to the floor of the Senate today to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. If you're going to do it, why wouldn't you wait till January 6th when the entire process is completed? Yes, it's an uphill battle. It's a very, very difficult battle to overcome the odds at this point. I got it. But why would you do that? Because he's positioning himself. They're already talking about how he gets along with Joe Biden. Just saw this on a clip on the news. He gets along with Joe Biden. He's already talking to Joe Biden about future spending deals, and he's ready to cut deals. That's what he does. So these fools are going to throw away the Trump vision, the Trump deals, the Trump progress, and the Trump supporters. And Russia's right, and I've said this myself in the past, just like the establishment, throw away the Reagan mandate. Remember kinder and gentler? Kinder and gentler. You could say the same thing about the Republicans. We want to be kinder and gentler. No, they want to be losers. The two greatest Republican presidents, I would argue, since Calvin Coolidge. Some would argue since Eisenhower. I think that's a fair argument, but certainly since Calvin Coolidge. And their own party can't wait to get rid of them. Even though they brought them massive landslides. Massive political success. Massive political success. It's not what they want. The good old boys and the good old girls. Here's Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate today. Cut two, go. Yesterday, electors met in all 50 states. So, as of this morning, our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had... No, we don't. This, this is the thing. I read to you the, the timeline from the archivist, the archivist website. We don't have official president-elect and vice presidential-elect. I know we say these things. That's okay. But if you're going to get on the Senate floor as the Republican leader... 
you got to wait till January 6th to have a president and a vice president. Go ahead. Election would yield a different result. But our system of government... By the way, does he sound like somebody who can rally the American people, Mr. Producer? He's been so lucky with the candidates that have run against him. So lucky in the election cycles like this one. So damn lucky, this guy. Go ahead. ...to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The President-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service for many years. I also want to congratulate the Vice President-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female Vice President-elect for the very first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember how proud they were of Sarah Palin's nomination? And there you have it. The Republican establishment, the rhinos are back. And they want the media to know. They think they can they can sue for some kind of positive press. They're so damn stupid. Where was Mitch McConnell before, during, and after this election? I thought he was a constitutionalist. Where was he when the state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania violated Article 2 of the Constitution, or when the governor or Secretary of State did, or when the Secretary of State of Georgia violated the Constitution, and so forth and so on. He never said a damn thing. Nothing. Nothing. The Republican leader, the majority leader of the Senate, said nothing. And then he puts out ads, we have to win these two seats in Georgia. Well, you don't have to have an IQ over 12 to know that. But does he understand the mechanisms are still in place to make it more difficult to do that? It can be done, but it's much more difficult to do that. So where was he? He was nowhere. He's been nowhere. Is this the way Chuck Schumer conducts himself? Of course not. Now you have state legislatures in Pennsylvania and Georgia, and I believe it soon in Michigan that are sending their own electors, the Republican electors. Normally, if we follow the Constitution, this would raise a very, very fascinating question. Which electors are to be counted? Whether you support what they're doing or not, it's not the point. uh, Jeremy Peters. They have no problem with overturning elections when courts, when governors when secretaries of state change the election laws to help the Democrats. You have no problem overturning elections when you have the election of Donald Trump in 2016 and they spend four years trying to dislodge him from office. No problem at all. Because they're left-wing unhinged kooks. But you can see the Republican Party always resorts to the fetal position. And then they cut deals for themselves, for their own states. They just want the massive machinery of government, no matter who runs it, to keep rolling along. And rolling along. And rolling along. 
They do not see the threat. They do not see the danger the rest of us see. That's what happened to the Republicans in California. Now, there are no statewide Republicans in California. As smart as they say Mitch McConnell is about elections, to me, from where I sit, he looks pretty stupid. I'll be right back. Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. Why did the New York Times cover up the Holocaust? Why is the New York Times covering up for Eric Swalwell and the Communist Chinese? Why is the New York Times covering up for Hunter Biden, James Biden, and especially Joe Biden and their connections to the Communist Chinese regime? Why aren't they sicking their investigative reporters like Jeremy Peters on these stories. Why is the New York Times silent about Raphael Warnock and his anti-Semitism and his racism and the fact that the Democrat Party and Joe Biden, along with Sarsour, Omar, Talib, and the rest, are down in Georgia campaigning on his behalf? Because the New York Times is a piece of S. Because the New York Times is not a newspaper. And anybody who works for New York Times is a hack. They're dishonest. See, I get behind this microphone and you know exactly who I am and exactly what I believe. These others hide behind the word journalism when they're propagandists. I will prove it to you. And I also want to discuss further, during the course of this program, the United States Supreme Court. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. You're listening to Denali. 
It's a great one. The great one. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. All right. Before we get to the Supreme Court, I want to get to the media. We have a lot of problems in this country because of the hard left and the threats from the hard left and what that results in, the consequences from that. So the New York Times. The New York Times has spent more ink on me than it has on Eric Swalwell. The New York Times has spent more ink on me than the early days of the Holocaust. The New York Times has spent more ink on me than they did before the election on the Hunter Biden laptop. So these are the priorities of the New York Times. But the New York Times doesn't care. Because the New York Times exists for a small niche of Americans. You don't read the New York Times. I typically don't, but we we go over the articles, don't we, Mr. Producer, just to see if there's something there. But I'm not sitting there reading it. I remember as a kid, I'd go on the train and these bespectacled lawyers and accountants and others would be sitting there folding the newspaper in fours. It was typically the New York Times. So that's who reads the New York Times of anybody. So they don't have a feel for the rest of the country, and they don't care. They live for New York City and Washington, D.C. And they live to promote an agenda. They always have, but now more than ever, like all the other media organizations. For instance, CNN's Jack Tapper, State of the Union, he never mentioned the Hunter Biden criminal investigation during his entire Sunday show. Because he's a fraud. But here's Jerry Peters. Jeremy Peters, I should say. Now, Jeremy Peters has written about me here and there. I've never talked to the man in my life. You would think if you're going to write about me, you'd talk to me. So instead, what does he do? He cherry picks what I say. He regurgitates what other people say. So he's not a serious thinker. He's not a serious writer. He's a hitman. And that's what he's told to do. He doesn't come up with these ideas on his own. We have a massive reach on this show. Not just terrestrial radio, but our podcast is massive. Our reach through satellite radio is massive. Our apps are massive. And yes, so is our terrestrial radio program. And so they feel they need to embrace the Saul Linsky tactic. So they're not going to worry about Swalwell. They like Swalwell. They're not going to worry about the Biden's corruption. They want the Biden's to succeed. I mean, after all, they helped elect him, quote unquote. What I talk about on this program and what people like Jeremy Peters will never get through their heads, they're utterly incapable of it because of their ideology, is the Constitution. How it works, how it's supposed to work, who's undermining it, who's promoting it. Throughout this election... We've had efforts by the Democrat Party, by their surrogates, and by the Biden campaign to change the election laws, usually unconstitutionally. I have spent weeks and weeks and weeks talking about this. There hasn't been a serious rebuttal to the substance of anything I've said when it comes to Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, because there is no serious rebuttal. It's exactly why the United States Supreme Court took a pass. Because in order to enforce that part of the Constitution, it would actually have consequences and ramifications. 
and failing to have done that early on clearly resulted in a Biden election. Now, the fact that I point that out upsets Jeremy Peters and his bosses. So they have to play games with what I say and what I write. Same with Professor Lessig, law professor from Harvard. You saw when I had him on the program, he had no idea what I said. None. He read what some hit-and-run blogger said and regurgitated and wrote a whole column in the USA Today about something I never said. They don't care. The title of his piece is Inside the Right-Wing Media Bubble Where the Myth of a Trump Win Lives On. I didn't say Trump would win. I have no idea. It's a huge uphill battle at this point, which I've said many, many times. My problem is, when it's all said and done, the Constitution will have been severely damaged. How do we fix what took place in Pennsylvania and Georgia, in Michigan and Wisconsin and these other states? How do we fix it? Because it's not going away. But Jeremy Peters doesn't have a problem with it because he doesn't want it to go away. As long as it benefits his party and promotes his ideology. So I'm not going to read the whole piece as it drones on and he lumps me in with other people, other people, some of whom I've never talked to in my life, because that's the way Jeremy Peters and the New York Times characterize things and create their narratives. It's the right-wing media bubble. I don't talk to Steve Bannon. I don't talk to uh, Lou Dobbs. I have no problem. I just don't. A gateway pundit? I've never talked to them in my life. And I can go on and on and on. Now, he puts in here, and I'm going to cut to the chase, President Trump's media criticisms are usually binary. There are good stories favorable to him, and then there are other categories. Now, for this guy to pretend that he works for a serious press operation is part of the problem. Like I said, I have a label as a constitutional conservative I want conservatives to win. More often than not, I want Republicans to beat Democrats. Jeremy Peters is a leftist. He wants Democrats to beat Republicans. But he won't say it. That's the difference. I'm honest. He's a liar. He's a fraud. So he goes on about the gateway pundit, which is fine. He goes on about, uh, let's see, and so forth says, the world seems to have recognized that the Electoral College affirmed on Monday Mr. Trump will be leaving office whether he wants to accept his fate or not. Now, the president said, when it's all said and done, he's leaving. But it's interesting how Jeremy Peters ignores what took place four years ago when Professor Lessing and an entire movement was afoot for the electors to switch from Trump to Hillary Clinton. You remember that? You can Google it. It's all over the place. Now, Mr. Peters knows that, but he chooses not to mention that. There was an aggressive, organized campaign to switch electors. I'm not involved in any campaign to switch electors. I'm not telling Biden electors to switch to Trump. But if you were to say to me, well, some of these state legislatures, Mark, they're sending the Republican electors, that is constitutionally permissible whether Mr. Peters likes it or not. 
Mr. Trump will be leaving office, whether he accepts his fate or not. The Supreme Court refused to second guess this reality. This is a news story, I believe. This reality on Friday when it rejected a legally dubious last-minute maneuver by the state of Texas. Why was it legally dubious, Mr. Peters? Because the Kate May Orca said so, Chris Christie? Chris Christie doesn't know the law from a bowl of Cheerios. That slob doesn't know a damn thing. I'll ask Chris Christie, I'll ask you, Mr. Peters, how can the state of Texas and these other states not have standing when there's original, original jurisdiction in the Constitution when states are suing states? And yet, how did the Supreme Court give standing Grant standing to the state of Massachusetts and Massachusetts versus EPA when Massachusetts as a state had no standing whatsoever to compel the EPA to come up with a new regulation as applies to carbon dioxide. Now there's no answer to that because the court can't tell you that. The fact is they're absolutely impossible to make sense out of, except the court wanted the EPA to regulate carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant, and so they used they used Massachusetts to get to that end, and they gave them standing regardless. And in the case of Texas, where there is original standing under the United States Constitution, the court wanted nothing to do with it, and I have my thoughts about that. I want to elaborate further, as I did a few days ago. But for all of this is lost on Jeremy Peters. All of it. All of it. All of it's lost on the New York Times. Because they don't want to hear. They don't want to know. They're agenda-driven. Goes on later in the piece. Some allies of Mr. Trump had hoped the Electoral College vote would end with a different outcome. The Republican legislators in six battleground states would name slates of electors favorable to Mr. Trump. He writes this stuff without ever explaining what took place in the last year and even months before the election in these states. That the state legislatures were undermined. That their power under the Constitution was eviscerated by the lawless, rogue acts of other public officials and other public entities. He'll never explain that. Because he agrees with what they did. Late last week, a coalition of leaders affiliated with the Tea Party, conservative political organizations, social conservative groups, wrote an open letter urging activists to begin mobilizing immediately to contact their state legislators, as well as their representatives in the House and Senate, to demand the clean slates of electors be appointed. Now, you know what's fascinating as he mocks these people, the Tea Party and so forth? This is exactly as the Electoral College was intended. We don't have a national popular vote. I know there's this unconstitutional effort underway by the blue states, constantly looking for ways to operate outside the Constitution rather than within the four corners of the Constitution. But the Electoral College is there to protect us from the popular vote. That's the reason it exists. In case there's a problem, in case there are issues, in case there's lawlessness. Why else would we have an electoral college? 
This is what I keep explaining. So the battle is fought not just in courts, but the battle is fought politically in state legislatures and ultimately in the United States Congress. They don't even understand the Constitution or the history of the country. But it doesn't matter because their audience doesn't give an S. They don't care. The upheaval failed to materialize and the electors cast their votes on Monday. Simply not true, by the way. At least two Republican legislatures that were undermined by their executive branches and state courts sent Republican electors. There's going to be two sets of electors. I guess he missed that. All along, Trump-friendly media personalities like Mark Levin, who hosts one of the most popular talk radio shows in the country, have led their audiences to believe that it was possible to pressure state lawmakers to reject Mr. Biden's victory. This guy has absolutely no comprehension of what I've said, what I believe, or what the Constitution allows. I have said from day one that the Republican state legislatures should, dis- should issue a resolution that the unconstitutional actions, whether it's their state, a secretary of state, whether it's a board of elections, whether it's a governor, or even a rogue court as in Pennsylvania, and say those decisions are null and void, and our count will be based on the law that was in place before the Constitution was violated. And this, apparently, is right-wing. Mr. Levin, along with Mr. Limbaugh and Mr. Bannon, was one of the first to give a national platform to the conspiracy theories of lawyers Lynn Wood and Sidney Pat. Let me tell you something. If they're conspiracy theorists, so is NBC, so is the Washington Post, so is the New York Times, so is the Canadian Broadcasting System, so is PBS on October 26th. When all of them reported in one form or another, in one degree or another, that the Dominion voting systems were unreliable. And they could be influenced by foreign governments. I never wrote that. I didn't make that up. I, it's not something that I was the first person to mention. I read to you the articles. I played to you the broadcast. Mr. Peters, are they right-wing? Is your newspaper right-wing? Is the Washington Post right-wing? Is PBS right-wing? Again, I have no idea if any of that occurred, because I know our courts didn't allow any kind of testimony. But what do I know? That the federal constitution was violated by one battleground state after another after another. That I know. And that the justices know in the Supreme Court of the United States, too. They know it, too. This isn't about right-wing media, you dim-witted left-wing journalist. It's about our Constitution. But for you, as a neo-Marxist, the ends justify the means. So, tonight on the air, I want to issue, I think it's our third Walter Durante Award for propaganda and advancing the cause of autocracy to Jeremy W. Peters. I hope you enjoy your honor, a-hole. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. Well, where I live, it looks like we're getting a crap load of snow. And I've outgrown snow, outgrew it a long time ago. Isn't it beautiful? Yes, if I'm watching it on TV from, say, Florida, you've got to deal with the after effects. Oh, Mark, come on. The New York Times is ignoring the Swalwell story as it ignored the Hunter Biden story. CNN's Jake Tapper ignored the Hunter Biden story. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a big problem in this country with censorship, with partisanship, in the media in this country. The media is owned lock, stock, and barrel by extremely wealthy Democrats and liberals. Massive corporations run by corporatists. They're driving this country over the edge. They're massively influencing our politics in one direction. They are a cancer on this society while they pretend to be our protectors. We have a huge problem in this country with a lying bunch of frauds who pretend to be journalists. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, Stacey Abrams still has not conceded her loss for the governorship of Georgia. And she's a star among the Democrats. So we don't need to be lectured to. I'm waiting for Mitch McConnell to go to the floor of the Senate and demand that she concede. Joe Biden in 2007. And I'm sure Jeremy W. Peters is listening to my every word. And the rest of his ilk. Joe W. Biden 
Joe Biden in 2007. You want to listen to this very carefully? Hat tip. Some folks on Twitter. Cut one, go. Which is what people usually mean by election reform. How are you going to keep it from us being able to be in a position where you can manipulate the machines, manipulate the records? The one way to do that is, I think we should pass a federal law mandating that the same machines with paper trails be mandatory for every federal election. That will be a multi-billion dollar bill for the states because the states will have to make a choice then. They will have to make a choice whether or not they have two machines. We can't mandate, as you know, state elections. We can't tell the state of Delaware or Ohio or Texas what machines and what method they use to vote in their state election, but we can do it federally. So in a nutshell, I think we should be mandating mandating that we have a paper ballot with a standardized machine, standardized uh, requirement. Did I just hear him say that these machines can be manipulated, that the records can be manipulated, Mr. Producer? This is, this is what is, is amazing to me. How hard would it have been for these massive multi-billion dollar news operations to go back and find this on Joe Biden? So, Lynn Wood is nuts. Sidney Powell's nuts. But Joe Biden is, uh, is a genius. Absolute genius. Because effectively he said the same thing. The media have said the same thing. The media. Three left-wing Democrats from Capitol Hill were writing all these companies and those that fund them saying exactly the same thing. But there's something wrong with these Republican litigators litigating on behalf of the president who want access to these machines. They want access to the data to find out what took place. Wow, they must be nuts. Like Joe Biden. Now let's pump it up louder, Mr. Producer, and go ahead and play Joe Biden in 2007 again. Cut one, go. Which is what people usually mean by election reform. How are you going to keep it from us being able to be in a position where you can manipulate the machines, manipulate the records? Manipulate the machines and manipulate the records. Did he have any evidence when he said that? Where was his evidence? When the various media organizations, at least half a dozen but more, reported their concerns about voting machines, where was their evidence? They had plenty of evidence. They even brought some professors in. Some statisticians in. Now you bring them in, it's, oh, what a desperate effort to overturn the election. Oh, it's desperate. What are you going to do, disenfranchise the voters? What are you, you going to do here? Where's the evidence? I looked at their filing. There's no evidence of anything. I think I've explained it over and over and over again so even former federal prosecutors can understand. When you bring a civil suit as opposed to a criminal charges against somebody, when you file a civil complaint, you need a reasonable basis, in fact, in law. Allegations can be made on information and belief. A motion to dismiss tests the legal sufficiency of the complaint. Assuming everything in the complaint is true, does it state a claim upon which relief can be granted? That's the test. Not, look at all the evidence I have to get rid of a quarter of a million votes. I think Professor Turley would agree with me, I think. Mr. McCarthy would understand this, even though neither of them point that out. So for a motion 
to dismiss everything is assumed to be true and all reasonable inferences are granted to the plaintiff. Is that what's happened here? Of course not. Then they say, you got to hurry up, you got to hurry up, you got deadlines, you know. Okay, so what can judges do when they're deadlines? And they've done it many times. You order expedited discovery. Clark can do it right there from the bench. Particularly when injunctive relief is sought by temporary restraining order or preliminary injunction. The courts have the power to speed discovery along, and they do it all the time, and it can be very fast. We haven't had many courts do that. In fact, the vast majority of them haven't wanted to look. We don't want to look. I'm turning the other cheek. I'm not looking. Now let's talk about machines and ballots. Unexplained significant deviations from expected results, in other words, mathematical inconsistencies supported by experts, is more than sufficient to establish a reasonable basis to file a complaint, to overcome dismissal, and to justify fast discovery. Where was that done? In one tiny little county, and that's it. There's lawsuits. Where's the evidence? That slob Chris Christie. A political U.S. attorney. Where's the evidence? It's not a criminal case. It's a civil case. What we need are practicing civil lawyers, not former federal prosecutors. But then again, what do I know? How many Supreme Court cases has Chris Christie been involved in? In fact... How many Supreme Court cases have any of these legal analysts been involved in? I was president of the Landmark Legal Foundation. I can't even count how many Supreme Court cases we were involved in. Many. I don't think there's enough here to grant a writ of certiorari. I don't know about that. You know. Expect the court to get political? The court's utterly political. It intervenes in everything and anything. As our buddy Daniel Horowitz pointed out on the program and at, at the blaze. One case after another, after another, after another in federal court and in the Supreme Court, interfering in election decisions by states, having nothing to do with civil rights, having nothing to do with civil liberties. The judges just don't like it. They're trying to clean up their state roles. No, can't do that. They're trying to have voter uh, uh, ID, photograph. Nah, can't do that. That's suppression, oppression, impression, and uh, depression. And then we have this massive situation. The same lawyer who was involved in the dossier, her Perkins Pooey, Mark Elias, ambulance-chasing Democrat Party lawyer, helped organize with other Biden campaign lawyers and left-wing groups a massive litigation campaign, a massive influence campaign at every level of state government, and they succeeded. That's why you see such a difference in the voting systems today and four years ago. That's why you see no signature requirements or no signature comparison requirements or watered-down signature requirements. That's why you see extended voting periods, extended counting periods. That's why you see Republicans ousted from actually observing the counts. And on and on and on. 
All changes made in the last four years, in some cases made in the last 12 months. All violated. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution, where the legislatures make the changes. You see, they had a problem, ladies and gentlemen. The Pennsylvania legislature is Republican. The Georgia legislature is Republican. The Michigan legislature is Republican. The Wisconsin legislature is Republican. Now, wait a minute. They're battleground states. The Arizona legislature is Republican. That's five. Wait a minute. So what are we going to do? We're going to go around the legislatures, and we're going to change the rules. Now, the United States Supreme Court justices were aware of this. The case was brought to their attention out of Pennsylvania. What is it, two months now, seven weeks ago? And they punted four to four. The Chief Justice of the United States joined the Three Stooges. Because he's gone. He's, he's gone. He's jumped the shark, as they say. So I bring this up. I explain what's taken place. I explain that Biden would have clearly lost, that the President of the United States would have won these states. Why do you think the Democrat lawyers and the Democrat Party targeted these states and went around the legislatures? You think they did it because they believe in good government? No. So I point out the facts. I point out the law. I point out the Constitution. Explain what's taking place. You know, Levin is desperate with all the right-wingers out there, you know. And those laws remain in place today for the next election. The United States Supreme Court, I am convinced... That those justices watched what took place this summer. That they saw that Antifa and Black Lives Matter, paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party did not criticize a couple of sentences at a left field late in the game by Biden. So his surrogates could say, see that? He criticized it. See that? That these justices fear for their own kids, those who have kids, They fear that these people will wind up at their own homes. They fear that these people will rush the Supreme Court because they saw that police officers throughout the country were told to stand down. They saw how they charged the White House. They saw how they tracked down individuals, including senators, at restaurants. And the truth is the Supreme Court isn't all that well protected, and the justices, almost not at all. I think you saw this violent Marxist mob activity, and they saw it too. And so they say to themselves, I don't know, John, do we really want violent riots as a result of a decision we make? I don't know, Elaine, uh, we certainly don't want to be accused of disenfranchising millions of voters, as we will be. What do you think, Brett? I agree. You know, I've got kids, and I don't want them harassed in this whole process. So what do you say, guys and gals? I think we stay out of this. No standing. No injunctive relief. Just stay out of it. You know what? That's a great idea. That's a great idea. 
Besides, they faced another potential threat from the Democrat Party directly, not just their paramilitary wing. Now, what was that? How many times has Schumer said he wants to pack the court? Did Joe Biden tell him to stand down? No. I'm going to set up a commission. In other words, he supports it. And even though they have the slightest of a majority in the House of Representatives, I think it's the smallest majority. I think I heard a uh, Fox host, Campano, mention this since 1893. They have the tiny majority in the House. For them to take over the Senate, it would be 50-50 senators, but they'd have Harris. And with that, they intend to change our constitutional system that permanently empower them and permanently advance their agenda. And so they're also sitting there and they're saying to each other, I don't know, Stephen. Maybe we'll just irk the Democrats more, you know. They know how to win. They're going to win there maybe in Georgia, and then we're going to have a hell of a problem on our hands. We're going to be accused of interfering in the election in the Democrat Party, unlike the Republican Party. They'll actually do something about it. These are serious people. Serious people. Don't you think so? Yes, I do. The Supreme Court, for the most part, is populated by cowards, and activists and politicians who pretend that they're otherwise for the most part that's how you get standing in Massachusetts versus EPA and you don't get standing in Texas versus for the battleground states they also know they'll be attacked as a right wing Trump court we can't have a right wing Trump court right Jeremy Peters They'll dust off and drag out Linda Greenhouse to write one of her beauties. And they don't want their legacies to be tainted by such a thing. Just easier to duck. Easy to stay out of it. Hell with the Constitution. Screw it. I think that's exactly what they did. Shameful. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. a great, I mean a really good piece by our buddy Jeffrey Lord in spectator.org, the American Spectator and he writes about the media abandons democracy and he also includes a 
section from my book on freedom of the press that was out 18 months ago. And he writes and quotes from it, Unfreedom of the press is about how those entrusted with news reporting in the modern media are destroying freedom of the press from within. Indeed, social activism, progressive groupthink, Democratic Party partner, partisanship, opinion and propaganda passed off as news, the staging of pseudo-events, self-censorship, bias by omission, and outright falsehoods are too often substituted for old-fashioned objective fact-gathering and news reporting. A self-perpetuating and reinforcing mindset has replaced independent and impartial thinking. And the American people know it. Thus, the credibility of the mass media has never been lower. And when you read the, the last third of my book, I understand Ari Fleisch is out there saying, and I don't blame him, he wants to focus on what took place during the Trump era. The last third of my book talks about what took place in many respects in the Trump era. And I get into the Russia collusion story and all of it, and I take a lot of time walking through that. Because it's so outrageous and so unbelievable. This is a very, very important piece in many ways, and I link to it on uh, Mark Levin Show Parlor, uh, Mark Levin Show Twitter, Mark Levin Show Facebook. And here's a reminder. At the end of 16 days, we will no longer be posting on Facebook. We will be posting on Twitter and Parler and some of the other smaller sites. So I just want to alert you to that. So what I suggest you do, those of you who haven't, we now have almost 4.2 million of you who have, is go ahead and sign up on Parler. I understand it's somewhat difficult to navigate. It's because they, uh, they have, you know, dealing with a huge influx of individuals. But it's not that hard, really, once you get down to it. Uh, we do it every day here. So we'd love you to join us over at Parlor. It's uh, at Mark Levin Show. Right, Mr. Producer? At Mark Levin Show on Parlor. Stick with us on Twitter. They have not censored us yet. But Facebook is an utterly and completely corrupt operation from top to bottom. And I'm tired of them using you, using your data, your confidential and personal information to sell it and make money off of it. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. I believe it's tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, that Israel signs another peace deal with Morocco. Thanks uh, so much to the President of the United States. And there are individuals who are involved in this process who deserve enormous credit. One of them has become a very, very close friend of mine in the family. He's the ambassador from Israel to the United States, but he was born in, in the Miami area. And uh, his father was a mayor down there. His brother was a mayor down there. His brother is terrific. Big Trump supporter. Moderate Democrat. Big Trump supporter. But I've come to know Ron Dermer and his family. And he is exceptional. He's an exceptional character. Treats people with respect. And uh, in many ways is one of the unsung heroes in this process. Because he doesn't promote himself. And so we will have uh, Ambassador Dermer on the program Thursday, 
7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'd like to talk to him not just about Morocco, but Iran and how he sees the future of Israel vis-a-vis the United States, what he has to say about our president and how the president interacted with the state of Israel with utter respect. And of course, as you know, you know, I'm very blessed. I consider Donald Trump a friend, and I consider Benjamin Netanyahu a friend. It's not like I pick up the phone and socialize with, with the gentleman, but I'm, I'm very blessed. Consider them both friends. And so we will have the great ambassador from the state of Israel to the United States, Ron Dermer. Ron Dermer loves America. Of course, he loves his country of Israel, but he loves America too. So this has really been a unique time in modern American history to have an ambassador like this, to have a prime minister like Netanyahu. Very, very, very important. And uh, just remember how they were hated by the Obama administration as they will be hated by a Biden administration with Israel haters, Palestinian apologists, Communist Chinese apologists, terrorist Iran apologists. We got our work cut out for us, America. Really do. And I'll say this. You would never find Donald Trump going to any state campaigning for any racist anti-Semite, despite all the lies that have been said about him. And Joe Biden did it at the drop of a hat. Or better put, the drop of a mask. He's out there campaigning for racists, anti-Semite, who happens to be an African-American candidate. Whereas 50 years ago, he was embracing racist anti-Semites who happen to be white segregationists. Just remember that. It's hard to forget. Mitt Romney's all over MSNBC making an ass out of himself. I hope the people of Utah are paying attention. He really is a, uh, a hemorrhoid on the body politic. He's also a chameleon, as I told you. How are you, Governor of Massachusetts and a senator from Utah, two states that are so, in so many ways, opposites. You try to become Secretary of State under this president, and then all you do is stab him in the back, and you even vote for his removal over a phone call that was perfectly fine. Romney will go down in history, if at all, as, uh, as a dumbass. May I say that, Mr. Producer? I think I will. I think I will, as an opportunist, because that's Mitt Romney's middle name. What is his real name? It's something weird, right? isn't it? Willard. Willard, yeah. I never saw it, but wasn't there a movie about Willard the Rat? Well, there you go. I have these clips from Mitt Romney on MSNBC, on CNN. He's being asked leading questions. The, you know, he's happy to fill in the blanks. He's not the only one. But I want you to listen to Schmucky Chucky Schumer on the floor of the Senate today. This is a man who, even before Donald Trump was sworn in, was demanding a special counsel, pushing hard and got one, who's working very closely with committees to try and destroy the Trump presidency and the Trump family, 
And he dares to say, as the gall to get on the Senate floor and say this, cut six, go. After no evidence of widespread voter fraud was found in the country, after state election officials corroborated the accuracy of the results in every state in the country, after the Trump campaign's legal team racked up an astonishing win-loss record of 1 and 59, after the Supreme Court summarily dismissed two ludicrous efforts by Republicans to invalidate the results in swing states, will the Republican Party in Congress, here in the Senate, finally acknowledge the results of an election that was determined over a month ago? Isn't that amazing, hearing this from the sleazeball? Who to this day doesn't accept what happened in 2016? Who have lied about Russia collusion? Isn't it amazing? And he doesn't understand that those numbers he put out there cut against what he's saying and are a scarlet letter on the forehead of the judiciary in the aggregate. One in 59. I read to you how low the standard is in civil cases to overcome dismissal. It's not because the lawyers are poor. It's not because there was a lack of evidence. It's because these judges didn't want to hear it and other judges were left-wing. That's why. That's why. Judges that have interposed themselves over and over and over again at the federal and state levels to change election laws and influence election laws. They didn't want to get involved in that. Let, let, let's, let's point out something else. Can we do that? Look, folks, it's in many ways a general but simple fact. Donald Trump is despised by these people. So are you. Donald Trump is despised by the Chief Justice of the United States and the majority of the Supreme Court justices, even one or two whom he appointed. They appreciate the appointment, but they don't want to be associated with him. Circuit and federal district court judges, same thing in many cases. You've got Obama judges that are proud to be Obama judges. They are activists, they are political, and they are partisan. We've seen it all over the country. When surrogates of the Democrat Party bring immigration cases and so forth, they know exactly where to bring them. San Francisco, Sacramento, New York City. They name three. To get nationwide injunctions. Follow the law, they say. Chuck Schumer doesn't want judges and justices to follow the law. He wants them to impose his agenda. We know that as a matter of fact. Because that's his litmus test. That's the litmus test of all Democrats. Follow the Constitution. That decision by the Supreme Court on DACA was another political decision. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. Last time I checked... Any fifth grader who's actually taught history knows that the legislature legislates and that the executive executes. So when Barack Obama, in one of his departments, writes a statute that we now call DACA and institutes it by dictatorial fiat, isn't it amazing how the Supreme Court didn't shoot it down? 
Isn't it amazing that the Democrat Party's position and the position of the left wasn't called ridiculous, wasn't mocked by anybody? No, no, of course not. And now we have one federal district judge that directed the administration, it must follow DACA. So now we have federal courts, all the way up to the Supreme Court, frankly, that set the stage for this, insisting that a president comply with a prior president's unconstitutional act. And they weren't supposed to look at the Supreme Court as some kind of, wow. Thank God for the Supreme Court, right? They contradict themselves on standing. It's humiliating how stupid they are, to be honest with you. Stupid. I said stupid. It's humiliating how stupid they are. It's an embarrassment if you actually understand what's going on up there. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year? Let's talk reality now. Just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, folks, they are ripping you off. Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Like I've told you, Pure Talk has the same coverage, same network, same bars as one of those other carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their service team based right here in the United States, some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. Period. So what are we waiting for? You can even keep your phone and your phone number, if you wish, or choose from a massive selection of the latest iPhones and Androids. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. If you ever go over on the data usage... They don't care. It's perfectly fine. They don't charge you one cent, not even a plug nickel. Grab, listen, do yourselves a favor. Listen to me. Grab your mobile phone. Got it? Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin. When you do, you'll not only get all these benefits I talked about, you'll, get, you'll save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I watch these media outlets, and we've talked about this many times, including earlier this or last, later last week. They almost relish it's. It's so upsetting and troubling. They almost relish publishing the number of deaths they claim are associated with the coronavirus. Look, I spent months, March, April, May, going into the details how the CDC was counting deaths related to the coronavirus in a way that was really not statistically accurate. I had guests on here that explained that, too. But that's not even my point. They want you to believe that every death that occurs as a result of this international pandemic in the United States is Donald Trump's fault. I've never seen anything so vicious, so insane, 
and so readily regurgitated. And let me ask you a question. These so-called newsrooms that put those numbers on their graphics so you can see it on your monitor, do they seem to really give a damn about any one of those human beings that has died? Whatever the reason. Of course not. It's all about politics for these people. They'll say 40-some people died this last hour. Well, who are they? And I'll prove it even further. How can you ignore what Andrew Cuomo did to the elderly infirm in New York City? A directive that clearly resulted in the deaths of thousands. Yet they prop him up and promote him. He gets an enema. He gets other awards. Joe Biden's thinking of him as as his attorney general. I'm surprised he's not putting him in charge of HHS and all the nursing homes in the country. I want you to think about this. And the sickening irony is the man who they seek to degrade and characterize as they do is the man who led the way for the vaccines. Let me be even more blunt about it. If Donald Trump had not been president of the United States, we wouldn't have vaccines today. Fauci would still be there. He's always there. The head of the CDC would always be there. Another bureaucrat. The massive FDA bureaucracy, they'd still have their red tape. We wouldn't have a vaccine in this country, let alone two. There wouldn't be 100 million people being vaccinated within the next three months. Saving millions and millions of lives in this country. Millions. There was a story that was out about the American Medical Association. They have reversed course, Mr. Producer. Did you read this? I think I sent you that article. Whatever. On hydroxychloroquine. Did you see that they reversed course? How do you reverse course on a drug that's been around for over half a century? How do you reverse course when people were saying that it was endangering our fellow citizens, that it would kill them, that it was irresponsible for the president to even mention it? And then we had real doctors, practicing doctors, frontline doctors saying, no, 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 it works. It helps. How many people did we lose as a result of the news media and the Democrat Party and, quite frankly, Fauci and the bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., telling people not to use hydroxychloroquine if you have heart disease or asthma. I want to tell you a little secret. I have heart disease and asthma. And you know what, Mr. Producer? I want the whole world to know. I have used hydroxychloroquine. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Look at this. Joe Biden refuses to take questions from press on his son's legal troubles. New York Times refuses to cover the Swalwell relationship with Fang Fang the spy. CNN State of the Union on Sunday, that would be fake tapper, refuses to cover the Hunter Biden scandal. Wow. Don't you wish you were a liberal Democrat? Don't you? Now we have big tech. You know, Mr. Reducer, when I actually posted my opening monologue from Sunday, did you see Facebook put a, uh, a notice up there? Facebook. Fox News. Top Facebook Twitter execs donated tens of thousands of dollars to the Biden campaign. You know, these corporations, in many ways, were created by the federal government. These were basically punks and bizarros, like Jack over Twitter and Zuckerberg over there at Facebook and the rest of them. But they needed something desperately in order to grow. In 1994, they got it, which was protection from libel suits. This is why today's media are out of control, and this is why... Big tech is out of control. There's no accountability. And so the President of the United States insisted that the Republicans add language to the Defense Department funding bill that eliminates that protection. And the Republicans led the way against the President of the United States. This, this is why they're such pathetic losers. especially in the Senate, and especially McConnell. So top executives at Facebook and Twitter donated tens of thousands of dollars to President-elect Joe Biden's campaign. This is how it's written. FEC records reviewed by Fox News reveal, as the social media platforms come under fire for limiting the circulation of reports surrounding Hunter Biden's business dealings in the weeks leading up to the election. These... Big tech companies and their platforms were used to promote the election of Joe Biden and the defeat of President Trump. That was their purpose. And they were not going to allow the Hunter Biden story to get out before the election. They and big media were in cahoots. We do not have a free press, as I wrote in Unfreedom of the Press. Oh, by the way, I have people coming up to me out of nowhere and saying... Mark, I tried to buy your books, or a book, one of your books at Barnes & Noble, and there's not a single one there. I don't know if it's the damn publisher, Simon & Schuster. I don't know if it's the bookstores. I don't know what it is. You can go in there. You can find all kinds of books that Marx wrote, all kinds of stupid books on Obama. My books are national, number one New York Slimes bestsellers, and they're never there. And they're never there. Maybe they're burning it with Huckleberry Finn and stuff like that. I don't know. Fox News review of FEC records shows that top executives at the social media companies made large donations, large, to the 
Biden campaign, including several that gave the legal maximum of $2,800. I think you'll find that with almost all these media companies, including the media company that I work for. I think you'll find that. But I don't know exactly. Fox News identified zero Facebook or Twitter executives who donated to Trump's campaign. According to FEC records, Facebook Vice President of Public Policy Aaron Egan donated 2800 to Biden's campaign on October 1. In addition to the 2800 she donated to the campaign during the Democratic primaries. Facebook Chief Revenue Officer David Fisher donated 2800 to the Biden campaign during the primary and an additional 750 during the general election. Facebook's Chief Financial Officer David Wenner donated the legal maximum of 2800 to the Biden campaign on April 22. Facebook Vice Presidents Gene Austin, Michael Verdu, Sharari Rabbi, T.S. Karana also donated the legal maximum of 2800 to Biden campaign during the 2020 cycle. Instagram, you know, they own Instagram, too. Chief Operating Officer Marn Levine, God forbid, also donated the maximum limit of $2,800. Over at Twitter, Vice President Matt Dorella donated $2,000 to Biden's campaign. And the executives were not alone. FEC records revealed dozens of Twitter and Facebook employees with manager or director in their titles donating at least $1,000 to Biden's campaign. Twitter's senior director, Ryan Oliver, for example, donated $2,800 to Biden's campaign in March. Senior director of product management, James Kelm, $2,800 to the Biden campaign primary. Another $2,800 to the general election. At Facebook, the platform's public policy director, Steve Satterfield, another public policy director, uh, Michael Matthews, product manager, Brett Kentz, Facebook director, Ibrahim Kayusi, donated $2,800 to Biden's campaign. Facebook program manager David DePartola donated $5,600, split between Biden's primary and general election campaign. Just two Facebook employees with manager and director in their title donated to Trump's campaign, neither of whom gave more than 300 bucks. Zero Twitter employees with whose titles donated to Trump campaign, FEC reg, uh, re- campaign records show. Twitter spokesman Trenton Kennedy told Fox News, the company has stated many times, we enforce the Twitter rules judiciously and impartially. Ah, you're full of crap. You're all full of crap. October records suggest Facebook and Twitter employees sent more than 90% of their political donations to Democrats. Employees of both tech giants contributed millions in individual donations and PAC donations. Analysis of the uh, MRC watchdog group pointed out. And, of course, who targeted on their sites? Conservatives and Republicans and the president. We pointed out the association that one of them had in picking third-party reviewers over there at Facebook, uh, where she was promoting, or what they were promoting her, with the Communist Chinese connections. Unbelievable. Biden transition team quietly tapped Silicon Valley employees who will concurrently work for Facebook and Google. This is the blaze. Joe Biden has tapped several top employees from technology and social media companies to assist with his transition. 
a potential sign that Silicon Valley and the White House have a cozy relationship during Biden's presidential tenure. And why wouldn't they? Officials, according to Politico, Zaid Zaid. That was like that guy, Boutros, Boutros Kali. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Zaid Zaid, a public policy official for Facebook, who has joined the State Department and international development teams, Christopher Upperman, a Facebook manager, who's joined the Small Business Administration team, Rachel Lieber, a Facebook director and associate general counsel, who's joined the intelligence community team, Dion Scott, a Google program manager, who's joined the Department of Homeland Security team. According to Politico reporter Steve Overly, all four big tech employees are Obama administration alumni. So you can see the incestuous relationship between Democrats on Capitol Hill and Democrats in the Obama administration and so forth, and the media and big tech. Media and big tech. It's really sickening, quite sickening. The Democrat Party, I'm telling you, the Democrat Party more and more is fashioning itself off of a good old Communist Party. It is ubiquitous. It is leaching into the culture, and the culture is leaching into the party. You cannot tell the difference between the Democrat Party and what's taught in our classrooms, what you see on movie screens, the uh, so-called nighttime comedy shows, on the Sunday talk shows, in the media generally. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And so there you have it. Money going from the... uh, From these platforms to Democrats and Biden in particular, Biden bringing in a whole bunch of them for his transition teams. And then them policing allegations against a Biden family member, Biden, or challenges to the campaign. They call this a free society? Less and less so. Just remember this. The more powerful the Democrat Party becomes the more insignificant your liberty becomes. It is a party of tyranny. It is a party of propaganda. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take some calls, shall we? Now, I said at the top, or the end of the second hour, that I have taken hydroxychloroquine. I've taken hydroxychloroquine. I've taken it with vitamin D, 5,000 mg's. I've taken it with zinc. And I haven't gotten sick in the least. I'm not just talking about the virus, but I haven't gotten sick from the, from the medicine. Here's the thing about me. I will talk to legitimate doctors about this stuff. But when they claim there's a consensus about something to which there was a different consensus two minutes earlier, I think for myself, I don't get my medical advice from Fate Tapper. Dr. Fauci hasn't treated a patient in half a century. He doesn't know a damn thing about me. When he goes around like a circus clown and makes these proclamations, who cares what he says? He doesn't have to live with it. Or they drag these doctors out of these these medical facilities that none of us have ever heard of before. These 
associate professors, and they're lecturing all of us. I'm going, who, is that how medical advice is dispensed? Or you have these hosts who all say the same thing, who don't know a damn thing, telling us to not do certain things. One day, it'll be too late. One day. Somebody will determine how many people lost their lives because CNN and Fauci and all the others turned hydroxychloroquine into a poison. When in fact, it has helped so many people. It's like... It's like taking it like you're taking heroin. Although the difference is some of these people want to legalize it. It's like taking heroin. Did you get your hydroxychloroquine? Can you tell anybody? Can you... A year ago, it was, it, it, was, it was like aspirin. All of a sudden. How many of those people in those nursing homes and those assisted living facilities would be here today? Many would be here today. And the American Medical Association buckled to political pressure. Now it's reverse course because we have a vaccine. The United States Supreme Court buckled to pressure. The institutions that are supposed to stand up for us are broken. The people who inhabit them, they're not statesmen, they're not experts, they're weak. They're weak. It's a terrible thing to get something that you could get so easily. And yet you'll see the left will attack. They attack the vaccine. He was cutting quarters on the vaccine. The therapeutics, they're experimental. Don't take the therapeutics. Don't take the hydroxy. Don't take the therapeutics. Oh, the vaccine's not going to work. It can't get it done in time. They're cutting safety corners. Just wear a mask. Just wash your hands. Just shut down your businesses. Shut down your life. Do you know how many people in this country... You hear the helicopter? The black helicopter's coming for me, Mr. Producer. Yes. Do you know how many people were unable to be with their parents or grandparents when they passed away in the hospital? Many. So they never got to see their loved ones in their last moments. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that. Do you imagine how horrible that is? Don't have Thanksgiving. Don't have Christmas. Don't have Hanukkah. Don't go to church. Don't go to synagogue. Who the hell do these people think they are? This isn't the first time this country or any country's had a pandemic. But it is the first time that a president has led an effort to get a vaccine this fast. And let me tell you what's interesting about this. And I read this. I think I mentioned it very briefly the other day. As a result of what Donald Trump and his administration did in warp speed. In coordinating the private and the public sectors. In forcing them to cut red tape that had nothing to do with safety and health. 
and pushing these private companies to come up with answers because he wanted to save lives while Joe Biden was sitting in his basement mumbling to himself. Do you know what's happened as a result of this? There's an entirely new way. An entirely new way to develop vaccines now. More efficient and more timely. Entirely new way. And they're going to use this new way now to try and discover or develop ways to treat various forms of cancer and other horrible morbidities and so forth. This is one of the greatest scientific achievements. One of the greatest scientific achievements since the development of the polio vaccine. And it's not treated that way. Because God forbid the Trump administration and President Trump get any credit for this. And they've already set the stage. There's not enough vaccines. We're all waiting for Biden to come in, man. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he'll get it out there. All of a sudden, you'll see the virus eventually will be killed, will be pushed off, will be back to normal. Thank you, Joe Biden. What would we do without you? What would we do without Joe Biden? These bastards in the media and big tech, that's exactly what they're going to do. Joe Biden's been in Washington in 50 years. He's been in Washington 50 years, self-serving, self-aggrandizing, selling out, making money. And all of a sudden, he says he's going to cure cancer. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Well, the Democrats, the leftists, National Review, the others got their way, potentially. And we shall see how it goes from here, shan't we? Take some calls, shall we? I think we shall. Let us go to Josie, Pensacola, Florida, XM Satellite. Josie, how are you? Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for your love that you have for America and for you to report the truth to us. I really appreciate you. Thank First you. of all, I'm a legal Latina that God loves bless America you. and loves Wait a minute, wait a minute. According to the left, you're a Latinx. What the hell is a Latinx, by the way? Latina. I know. What is oh. it? You can't say Latina? You can't say Latino? You have to say Latinx? Everyone has the same genitalia? Latina, because I'm a woman, we can say Latinos if you're talking about a bunch of people. Damn right. But I'm a Latina woman. But, yes, uh, I you're love darn right. This country, and this country has given me so much opportunity. But I wanted to tell you, my husband and I had the COVID, and uh, we took the hydroxychloroquine, and acetromycin, D3, vitamin C, and zinc. And within four days, we were like brand new. And then uh, my daughter and her husband also went through the same thing in another state. And she also took it in her husband. And, this and is it amazing. saved them, right? Saved Very you and saved them. Medicine. Say again? Say that I'm again. Sorry, I talked over you. Yeah. 
We have an echo. My well, I can say this. People swear by it. Many people have gotten better very quickly as a result of it. And some people, many people, had their lives saved by it. And here we are again with a, with a media that's full of crap, just pushing an agenda because they thought it would hurt Trump. It's sickening. Why don't they put the number of people who died or got sick on their screen as a result of their outrageous propaganda against something like ho- uh, hydroxychloroquine? Let's see those charts. Well, Josie, Pensacola is a nice area, very nice area. It is beautiful. A lot of radicals are moving here, and uh, I own a business, and I remember when you first told me, make sure you invest a lot in masks. I have seven seamstress doing a lot of masks for me, and uh, I have some disposable, not as many, but mainly I concentrate on helping other people in the area. I do not wear a mask unless I have mm. to go somewhere for two seconds and I take it off. But thank you for your advice. I did spend a lot of money in masks, and uh, thank you so much. I have made a lot of money, but I don't wear the mask because I don't believe in that. Well, masks. God bless you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> you're, a, you're, you're a red-blooded American. God bless you, Josie. Now, this was early, early on. You remember, Mr. Producer, when they were telling us not to get masks, and I got on the radio, and I said, I'd get a mask. If they're telling you no, that means yes. If they're telling you yes, that means no. And the dirty little secret is, if it wasn't for Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, I would never own a weapon. And now I'm thrilled that we do. Several of them. When he's talking about the AR-15, they're going to get rid of this, they're going to get rid of that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not seven years old. I don't need the government to tell me what I can or cannot buy. So, of course, we went out and bought rifles and pistols. And then it's like you're a hoarder. All of a sudden, you know what? I want another one and another one. So I counted. We have six, Mr. Producer. Now, we only have four hands between the two of us. But so what? So it's not like we're out there aborting babies or anything. We like to have our weapons. And as a matter of fact, we're going to buy two more when we're in Florida. Before you know who has any power. I don't know what the hell's going to... They're going to... See, here's the thing. They're going to be spitting out executive orders to take down the Bill of Rights and this and that and the other. This is why the lawyers who have been fighting... The lawyers who have been fighting are the heroes and the patriots. Not the idiots on the sidelines. You know, a latches, a latches argument. No! There are different phases where we're trying to defend this republic. The one right now involves this election. Now, I don't expect the New York Times to support us. They can go to hell. Next, if it's necessary, to fight these executive orders. We have to fight them in the trenches every step of the way. Every step of the way. Now, we get to go on offense. Let us go to John, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. John, go right ahead, sir. Mark Levine, God bless you, sir. You too. I wanted to tell you, I heard you talking about hydroxychloroquine and asthma. I had severe asthma in April. I got COVID. I was in the hospital. They gave me hydroxychloroquine, and it saved my life. Well, sir, you must, uh, you must be unusual because CNN says don't do it. Even people on Fox said it'll kill you. Isn't it ridiculous? Isn't it so outrageous? 
Sorry to talk over you. CNN, I think, is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's a clown show network. But, yes, I have severe asthma, and it hit me really hard because of my asthma. I had the COVID pneumonia. But I got to the hospital, and they said to me, we're going to try this drug on you. It's not normally used for this, but we want to try it. It's called hydroxychloroquine. I said, I heard about it. Bring it. Just bring it. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have made it, Mark. I don't yeah, want to call you a patriot. You're amazing. I have followed your career. I have all your books. Well, you know what? To you, sir. John, we're very lucky to have you. And I just, I, I worry how many people did make it because of the ideological opposition to a drug. How stupid is that? I know it really upsets me because it should be about medicine and only medicine. Politics should, uh, you know, politics should have nothing to do with it. And when you're on your back and you have no choice, you'll do anything. So, of course. why wouldn't you take hydroxychloroquine? Absolutely, absolutely, of course. Well, you're going to have a nice Christmas, John. I want to. God bless you, my friend. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Let us go to Lynette, Sacramento, California, XM Satellite. How are you, Lynette? Hi, Mark. I'm good. How are you? Thank you Very for having well. me on. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry? Thank you. I'm calling today. I am a, uh, a 40-year-old woman who uh, identifies as a woman, doesn't believe in pronouns, and loves my husband, <laughs> my family, and my country. And the reason I'm calling is because I think it's time that the American public wake up and stand up and be brave and love the country that they live in and start sitting back and listening and, and realizing what's actually going on in our country. We are in a slow coup paid, to, paid for and brought to you by China. And the reason that the news and everybody is against Trump and against uh, the American people and against putting the truth out is because they, they think we're stupid. They don't love our country and they're paid off. And the American people need to wake up and fight back. Otherwise, we are going to lose everything. And the way you do that when the time comes, you go into your school board and you tell them, we're not putting up with the way you're talking about sex. Number one, it's too early for our kids. And number two, we don't like what you're teaching them. And you show up every damn school board meeting with three, four, five hundred people. And you'll make a difference. And if you look at things that way as being an activist and an advocate, rather than a victim, even though you are, it becomes very, very helpful because you know what they say about the squeaky wheel. The problem is the paramilitary wing of the Democrat Party has more than a squeaking wheel. They have weapons. But we can still go into these areas, whether they're school boards or local supervisors meetings or city council meetings, and make ourselves heard if there's more of us than there are of them. And that's exactly what we need to do. I want to thank you very much, Lynette. Take care of yourself. Lynette self-identifies as a woman and, in fact, is a woman. Let me ask you a question. If somebody can self-identify, can we identify them too, Mr. Producer? 
So if I were to say Joe Biden is a woman, is that okay? I think anything goes, right? And by the way, if I said Joe Biden is a woman, why would that be offensive, correct? If I said Joe Biden was a lesbian, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong, right? So if biology doesn't determine what you are, then your mind can do whatever it wants. Not only to you, I self-identify, and not only that, I self-identify him as a her. You see the stupidity in the insanity of all this. And yet, in many ways, this is what your kids are learning. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to mention something to you. You know, I heard Rush today. I don't always get to hear him, but I was driving back and forth from a doctor. And I was listening to what he was saying, that some days he'll be there, and some days he won't. And um, I don't have any inside information. I would never even deign to get inside information. He is the greatest broadcaster in radio history. I know of nobody who's had the impact on this republic that Rush Limbaugh has. He's been an enormous inspiration to me. He has been a mentor to me. He's been a wonderful friend. No, don't read into anything I'm saying. Please. But I was listening to him today, and I was listening to his commitment to you. Where he says, I will try and get in here. I will try and get in here as often as I can. Some days I won't make it. I thought to myself, what a man of enormous strength and character. who loves you, his audience, to the bottom of his heart, and loves this country. And loves his family and friends. What a fantastic human being. And he is somebody who, he'll tell you proudly, took one semester in college and said, this isn't for me. And he, he rejected authority when he realized that authority really was telling him to do things that he didn't want to do or that he couldn't do. He followed his dreams. He became fantastically popular, beloved. So he is somebody who has lived the American dream. He knows firsthand. He worked his way from the bottom up. He created an entire industry. And now conservative talk radio is the number one bulwark against the tyranny that we're surrounded with here. 
I just want Rush to know from me and all of you this holiday season, as I heard him today, that we are forever indebted to him. There is no good way that we can communicate that other than say it. And I, for one, will continue to pray for him again. Don't read into anything, anything into what I'm saying. There's nothing, nothing to read into. I just heard what he was saying today. I want to thank all you heroes out there, and I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.